0: everyone and welcome to Worthington Stories. Did you know that Worthington has not one, not two, but three fully certified arborists on staff? That's folks who are certified in the expert care of trees. And that Worthington is designated a Tree City USA by the Arbor Day Foundation. We have our very own Arbor Advisory Committee too, which as we're going to find out in this episode is part and parcel of that Tree City designation, which our city has participated in since 1989. Throughout the visioning process, it was said over and over that one of the aspects of living here most treasured by city residents was its greenness, the parks, the shady avenues, the gorgeous variety of trees in our own backyards. Worthington's trees cool our houses and clean our air and support a rare amount of urban wildlife. My own street is lined with incredible flowering cherry trees that a neighbor from Japan bought for the whole street a couple decades ago through the Street Tree Program. The more you look around, the more it's something you notice. But all of that gorgeous tree canopy doesn't just happen. In today's stressful urban environment, and yes, Worthington is, as far as nature is concerned, pretty urban, trees don't just spring up. It takes a concerted effort on the part of a community to plan, plant, and care for what we might really consider some of our older residents. In this episode, we find out how Worthington makes that happen. We amble around the city with the park supervisor and arborist Sean Doherty to find out how our city became so vibrant with so many different varieties of trees from the street tree program to the parklands. Hope you like it.
1: Well, my name is uh, Sean Dougherty. Um, the uh, Technically, I'm the Parks Supervisor for the City of Worthington, and uh, I, I call it the unofficial uh, city arborist. Uh, the city doesn't have that official title, oh. although I've been kind of doing that role for the last 15 years, and that's I'm kind of referred to uh, by the public and my co-workers as uh, the, you know, the city forester or the, or the city arborist. I started with the city in 1989. I think I'm up to Thirty-four years now. It's been a great job. Uh, I enjoy it. Um, I'm a Westerville guy. Uh, Westerville uh, High School. The uh, starting out in this job uh, I was kind of a normal, just parks worker. You know, mowing grass and trimming weeds and and. Uh, spraying weeds and, you know, all that entails with uh, parks maintenance and uh, taking care of the athletic fields and the ball diamonds, uh, playgrounds and, you know, all the maintenance that comes with, uh, you know, public parks and uh, exterior of city buildings. Um, it started kind of evolving. Um, my background's in arts. I attended the Columbus College of Art and Design. Oh. So I started kind of taking an interest in uh, trees and horticulture and uh we never used to do anything with flowers and, and annuals and uh, perennials and things like that and i started doing more and more with that and got interested in that and kind of used those yeah. background skills i guess on the job and uh, started doing more and more with that became a certified arborist probably in the uh, mid-90s i think it was um, how did you
0: do that how do what do you have to do
1: uh, to become an arborist, uh, basically there's a test you have to pass, and uh, there's continuing education, CEUs, uh, credits, you have to occur, you know, so many every three years. The test is is no joke. It's a serious little test, and uh, I knew people that uh, tried to take it and failed. I thought, you know, it's uh I don't want to go that route I, mean, I want to excel. So I enrolled in Columbus State Community College's course in Arbor Culture. I thought, you know, that'll give me a good head start, you know, to Ooh. pass this test. And yeah, it worked it worked do very well. Do they still well. have it? I believe they do. I believe they do. I know Fred Howard used to teach it. He's a Worthington resident and member of our Worthington Arbor Advisory Committee. I'll, I'll talk about them a little bit. But um, but yeah, so taking that course down to Columbus State to uh, help me sail through that test. And uh, kind of the rest is history. Yeah, I never know what my day's gonna bring. A lot of times, uh, you know, I, yesterday I, I met with two different residents and just kind of looking at trees in their yard and dealing with, uh, you know, a street tree that had to be removed. And a lot of times, I end up in their backyard answering a few questions there yeah. too. This time of year, uh, working with some of my coworkers and uh, making sure you know some of the annuals and horticultural things get watered and. And things like that and uh yeah that's uh the job definitely changes with the season a little bit Mm -hmm. Uh, we're kind of tapering off our planting now i got a contractor coming in to maybe plant a few more trees next week and that'll be the end for the summer and then we'll be gearing up for fall planting it's uh it changes with the season and uh kind of never a dull moment Um, there's i have a couple co-workers now who are also uh, certified arborist and uh, the city's actually in pretty good hands Um, as far as, uh, you know, the guidance and uh, the work that uh, I and my coworkers do with the city. We're busy as far as, uh, you know, maintaining the trees. Uh, My kind of specialty, though, is urban forestry. I deal a lot with the public. You're dealing with, uh, you know, planting and, uh, you know, the protection, the uh, maintenance and the guidance on the, you know, trees and in the urban environment, and it's uh, there's, there's a lot going on with new plantings and, and dealing with removals or evaluating uh, you know hazardous trees, dealing with emerging threats like the emerald ash borer mm. that came through this part of the country a few years ago. It's kind of never a dull moment. Uh, there's, uh, like I mentioned, there's those CEUs, uh, there's courses and uh, seminars that uh, we're kind of constantly going to stay up and current on uh, current practices and arboriculture, and, and uh, there's always something new to learn. Sure, yeah, my day varies. Uh, sometimes I never know what I'm getting into, you know, yeah. as far as what my day brings. But then horticulture is also, especially this time of year, a part of my job. Some of the uh, annual uh, bedding plants that we put in the ground, like at the buildings like the Senior Center here, as mm-hmm. well as the uh, containers mm-hmm. um, that I'm putting together on the Village Green and things like that, the pots and the flowers there and stuff. Okay. So
0: When you say you deal with or you help the city deal with Uh, threats like the emerald ash borer what do you Mm -hmm. mean do you mean just the city owned trees or do you help residents with their own trees Uh,
1: well of course the city owned trees uh, all the street trees in worthington which are inventoried and and managed as well as all the inventory trees in the city parks and the city buildings you know dealing with the emerald ash borer and its effects on all of those uh, we do give guidance to the residents Um, that's actually uh, you know recent part of my week sometimes uh, residents calling with questions about you know is this tree really hazardous and when, what am I dealing with here and we try to give uh, the city gives uh, an unbiased opinion uh, to residents as a service. I actually
0: um, have to say full disclosure I had you out to my house because I ju- have a 60 year old giant silver maple okay. with a split in the trunk that's about four feet off the ground and I didn't, I was terrified this thing was going to blow down in a thunderstorm on my house someday and I had no, somebody, I think a neighbor told me that you would come out and you did for free. And you came out and you said, "Well, you could do this. You could cable it. You could, if you took it down, here's how much you would expect to pay." And mm. I don't think the tree is gonna die, you know, right away. I think you've still got some life in it. So these are your mm. options. And I was just blown away that we have that service.
1: Yeah, it's. Um, sorry, I don't remember exactly. <laughs> <Is that, laughs> it I, was about I, ten years ago. Was it okay? <laughs> I, I, I talked to you about. Three or four residents a week uh, dealing with that exact topic. <laughs> it's uh, just a service that the city offers, and uh, I think people appreciate it. And, definitely, uh, it's, definitely, uh, it's, it's a decent service, and it's, it's you know it's good knowledge to have. Uh, you
0: know. So I have a feeling, and I was going to ask you if this is the case that the reason that all of that you now need or can use three certified arborists on staff and that you're so busy Mm. is that we seem to have an extensive tree cover for an urban or suburban setting. Like I I noticed we had like five silver maples in our yard and Mm. we are just a tiny you know normal Worthington Estates little backyard and Mm. my neighbors have like three giant oak trees on their property and Mm. it seems like it feels like they were very particularly planted all of the neighborhoods that we live in with gorgeous tree cover. And the street trees of course are amazing.
1: Yes, uh, Worthington uh, Worthington actually has a very high uh, percentage of tree canopy cover actually compared to some surrounding communities. Our engineering department actually uh, took a look at that very topic a few years ago using some, some data from uh, Franklin County Soil and Water and trying to remember some of the numbers 28 percent uh tree canopy i believe i can have to maybe pull the numbers exactly percentage tree cover for worthington and that was actually higher than uh westerville and and even dublin Uh, city columbus was down there a little ways Um, but yeah overall worthington is pretty green we got some you know decent trees uh, in town and um, worthington residents value them uh, very much
0: Is that Mm -hmm. on purpose?
1: Was that by design? Um, Well, design-wise, you know, when the city was laid out in in 1803, um, design maybe does have a little bit to do with that. Uh, There used to be a lot of, you know, orchards and things like that uh, back in the day in the 1800s and around in the the community here. But um, the proximity to the Olentangy River does help a little bit Mm -hmm. you know there's a lot of that's a big greenway that kind of cuts through the heart of the city so that kind of spreads out and I tell you just Worthington residents they've always valued what uh, trees and the tree canopy and the urban forest they've always valued what that can bring to their quality of life and uh, they've always kind of looked after it and taken care of it and the
0: is it normal for a city to have a you know an arborist on staff I mean they call you the arborist on, yeah. on the website yeah whether yes. that's your title or not and to have a whole arbor advisory committee and to put this kind of resources
1: uh, for more established communities it is you know like uh, Dublin and Westerville and, and Grove City and some of the larger communities and more fluent communities. Other communities that are smaller, like uh, like Johnstown and mm-hmm. communities like that, that just became a city, they're kind of working towards that. They don't have usually arborist on staff or anyone like that. Uh, it's from like my position, part of that's also um, the uh, you probably heard of the the Tree City USA yes, and that yes, program. That. Yeah. Tree City USA is basically an accreditation. And there are a lot of communities in Ohio, actually across the nation, uh, that are involved in this in program and in this accreditation. Worthington uh, joined the ranks of tree cities uh, in 1989, the same year I started with the city. And uh, to be a tree city, you have to uh, basically meet four main requirements. They are, you have to spend at least $2 per capita, so at least $2 for every citizen in your community for uh, for your, you know, your urban forest. You have to have rules and regulations and, and clear direction on the responsibilities and management of your urban forest. You have to have an Arbor Day observance, huh. uh, which we do every year and usually the mayor's involved and uh, the past six or eight years actually, it's, it's been held on the Worthington Village Green here and uh, depending on the weather, usually there's about 100 or 200 school children from Evening Street Elementary that uh, walk up for the event. Uh, Then the fourth thing you have to have is an Arbor Advisory Committee, and that is a a committee that uh, helps with planning and guidance uh, of your urban forest. Uh, Worthington's lucky. We've always had a great, solid uh, Arbor Advisory Committee um, that the city uses as a uh, sounding board for tree discussions and and guidance. And they have projects that they, you know, they themselves uh, try to work on. Uh, They had a publication that came out last year uh, to help residents uh, dealing with some tree issues with, uh, with pin oaks, chlorosis. They uh, they're working towards a couple other projects. Uh, technically, the Village Green qualifies as a level one arboretum. What? So they're trying to get that off the ground a little bit. Uh, they're you know involved with the planning of Arbor Day and other things. The city has that uh, street tree program where residents can purchase a street tree. Uh, it's kind of a cost share program, and they're involved with some of the. You know, the selections of um, the trees that are available in that program. Mm -hmm. The Arbor Advisory Committee is a a great resource, and uh, we're lucky we have a a very strong one in Worthington here.
0: So back in the 80s, was that when that whole movement started going?
1: Yeah, uh, Worthington was one of the early uh, Tree City USAs. Um, I think it just started just maybe... two three years before that Mm -hmm. uh, maybe uh, 85 86 is when it actually started uh, in Ohio at least I know the two oldest communities in central Ohio here are Columbus and Westerville I think they maybe have two years on us, but that's about it. Uh, But uh, yeah, it's been very popular. There's new communities coming on board every year. There is uh, also uh, a growth award that cities can get if they kind of do above and beyond Mm -hmm. uh, with things. Worthington's gotten a growth award, I think, seven or eight times through its history. What did we do that went above and beyond? Well, last year actually we got a growth award. Basically, you can do things that earn you points. You get in a points, so you get a growth award. And some of the things you can do to earn the points. That publication I mentioned that mm-hmm. the Arbor Advisor Committee put together. Mm-hmm. Hiring a, uh, so we brought a new certified arborist on board on the team with Worthington here, just overall planning and guidance and uh, new programs, new educational things, uh, maybe adding information for the public on the website and things like that, and just kind of grow in the program type stuff.
0: It sounds like, you know, with the advisory committee that a lot of this is kind of volunteer, uh, not necessarily driven, but at least volunteers provide a lot of help and...
1: Yes. Yes, they do. Uh, The Arbor Advisory Committee is all volunteer. uh, Yeah, they're an invaluable resource uh, for the city.
0: And I saw that we have a lot of volunteer participation in things like cleaning up the parks of invasive species.
1: We do. We do. We get occasional volunteer uh, individuals as well as groups and church groups and things like that that want to do some volunteer work or clean up of the parks. And we try to facilitate and help out with that, you know, and and, uh, work with that anytime we can and and provide trash bags and and organize it a little bit and help them and coordinate with them. And, you know, if you guys want to clean up this park on this day, you know, that would be awesome. You can leave the trash here and we can pick it up Mm -hmm. and and try to help out with that. Um, Also, there's that group of FLOW, Friends of the Lower Olentangy Watershed. They've been uh, invaluable, uh, with uh, a lot of projects around the city, especially the last three, four years, uh, they do they help a lot. They help it a lot with removing invasive species mm-hmm. like honeysuckle and uh, calorie pear which I can talk about a little bit, Uh, that's a new invasive weed problem that's uh, starting to get out of hand. But Flo, friends of the Lower Olentangia Watershed, they do a great job of providing manpower and helping us work on projects that we would like to do, but Mm -hmm. sometimes don't always have the time and, and people and manpower to devote to them. So like I mentioned, uh, invasive species removal, tree planting also. A lot of times when we go in and remove invasive honeysuckle and invasive cattle repair, we want to go back in and with a planting of native species or, or tree species that can, you know, help compete and, and fill that void. They also help uh, with wildflower, uh, sowing wildflowers and getting wildflower uh, beds and, and meadows kind of up off the ground, some areas where, you know, we'd Love to put them in. They've been really instrumental in helping us make that happen with the manpower that they can bring to the table. Uh, there's been quite a few uh, wildflower um, areas that uh, they've helped us put in down on the Uinta River bike trail and a few uh, a few parks, a couple areas where some mowed areas that we've taken out of our mowing rotation and converted to wildflowers. We're trying to do more and more of that to try to you know, diversify the, the ecosystem a little bit. It used to be everything was either just forested. Or mowed mm-hmm. and that was it and you know mowers are trying to go everywhere they could but nowadays we've backed off with our mowing we're trying to get some you know meadows and wildflower areas going in a lot of these parks uh, mm-hmm. to help things out a little bit
0: oh great so a lot of this is uh, done not necessarily at the city's expense, or it's like an all-hands-on-deck kind of investment. And
1: yeah, it's uh, it's a goal that, you know, the, the, both the city and a lot of the public can see uh, and, and, and see the benefit of it, and we're all kind of working together uh, on the same team, kind of you know, trying to pull in the in the right direction. Uh, we've even allowed flow to, uh, we used to have a tree nursery years ago that the city and my, uh, my staff here used to, to work on out at Go Down Road Park, out there off of Go Down Road. And uh, we used to grow a lot of trees and transplant them down to parks and especially the Energy River bike trail uh, to try to get more desirable species down there and up and going, and uh, it kind of went fallow for years, and uh, Flo has, uh, under our supervision, moved in there and done a great job with reestablishing that tree nursery, and now are growing trees there again for use in projects all over the north part of Columbus here, not exactly in Worthington, but kind of all over this area on the Olentangy watershed, trees that are going in uh, a lot of great places and making a real difference.
0: Oh, that's really great to hear. What what yeah. kind of trees, uh, we've heard that the, we've got invasives, which I think most people in Worthington have probably heard about, the honeysuckle, it's in mm-hmm. almost everyone's yards, it seems like, yeah. and pear pear mm-hmm. That's been in the media a lot, but what are mm-hmm. desirable species? What are we, what used to be here, and what, uh, what do we want to bring here or bring back?
1: Well, There are some, when it comes to areas that uh, maybe have been um, disturbed uh, in the the urban environments, and a lot of times there's a succession of growth, and some of the pioneer species that first come in usually aren't great tree species. I'm thinking of box elder, uh, mulberry, and things like that, more short-lived trees. Uh, Sometimes if you can go in there at that time and introduce... uh, Uh, When I I say better quality trees, I'm talking about, you know, oaks and maybe sycamores and things like that, that they're, and some hardwood trees and trees that provide, you know, uh, maybe more of a benefit to to wildlife. Sometimes it's better to um, try to help things out a little bit, to speed things on a little bit uh, to get that second successive and third successive growth going with some of those more desirable species that will give you kind of the, your end product of kind of what you want of a, you know, mature forest, if if Mm -hmm. that's your goal.
0: I understand from looking at the website the city's website about the Arbor Committee that Mm -hmm. it was formed because of something going on on the restoration of the village green they were having trouble with trees what what was Worthington like tree wise as far as you know I gotta guess that when Worthington was settled that um, I actually heard from Kate Lalonde that it was actually a forest when They came and founded the city, and then it gradually all got cleared and became farmland, so it was not exactly a tree city for a long time, was it?
1: No, um, that was the priority back then. You know, farmland, and people had to grow their own food and things like that, and so you had farmland and and orchards and things like that kind of all over town, and then it's kind of slowly kind of reverted back to much more tree canopy Mm -hmm. nowadays.
0: So what did Worthington look like, and was there a— I don't know a tree crisis. Oh, the the, uh, the
1: Arbor Committee. Yeah, yeah well, back in uh, 1990 was the uh, 8990. Uh, 89 is when the planning first kind of started. Uh, 88 probably. Um, the Village Green experienced a total overhaul as far as the uh, brick walkways you see now mm-hmm. were all put in. The construction started about 1990. So planning was a little bit before that, but the Arbor Advisory Committee kind of started. uh, There were some trees that were kind of slated for removal. Um, They kind of jumped in to help the city with guidance on exactly, you know, which trees should stay, which trees should go, can we work around this, you know, what can we do to to help things out a little bit to, to make the whole project successful. You know, a lot of times when you have a big project like that and you're putting in those uh, in that case all those brick walkways down there at 161 and high street uh, you know there's a lot of impact on surrounding trees with the cutting of roots and things like that and uh, they help the city uh, work through that and uh, help the city come up with a uh, planting plan at mm. that time to replant the village green and uh, that's kind of how they did kind of get off the ground and at that same time was when the the treaty the city joined uh, like i mentioned uh, the tree city USA program and it all kind of uh, I was off to the races from there.
0: Oh, great! Okay. Um, you well. help not only um, you help not only plant trees, but keep our tree stock alive and healthy.
1: Yes, uh, we're constantly evaluating the health of um, you know the urban forest of Worthington, uh, the street trees, parks trees, uh, city trees. Um, yeah, there's always something going on. Certain trees, you know, as they age and mature, certain trees live longer than others. Just mm-hmm. it's their genetics, um, and uh, there's You got to keep an eye on things. You know, some trees might start having an issue, especially in the urban environment, because a lot of places are basically our soils aren't very good. You get into a disturbed environment like this and uh, along roadways with all the de-icing salts and things like that. So that makes for a much much more stressful environment, which can, you know lead to a a shorter lifespan and things and certain trees uh you just kind of got to keep an eye on they may start to experience problems but that problem may not be you know too detrimental yet and there's you know you just got to be look at it with an educated eye as far as you know what exactly is going on here and is it going to hurt things you know structurally or is this a big a big problem like maybe oak wilt that uh you know is very uh a big problem with uh in our environment now that uh, is very detrimental to especially red oaks and things like that is something you really got to jump on to take care of.
0: What about people who are interested in planting more natives? Do they work in the neighborhood and what would those be?
1: Yeah, there's there's actually been a big push the last uh, 8 or 10 years to spin more to native trees uh, just because our native insects and animals do get a little bit better benefits from what those trees uh, have to offer. You know, your native trees, um, you know, there's. I mentioned a few of them earlier, the sugar maples, the red maples. I wouldn't plant a silver maple in your yard. They're great trees in their own right, but they're not a great tree for your yard. All those oaks I mentioned, plus a bunch of other oaks. I think I mentioned maybe swamp white oak, but you know, red oak and and shumard oak, chinkapin oak, bur oak. Um, your regular standard white oak. Uh, there's quite a few oaks uh, that will work in, in Central Ohio here that are, are great native trees.
0: Is that what we would have found if we had been able to be here two days before the Kilbourne expedition came and checked us out? Yes, uh, you would
1: have had uh, you would have had all those oak trees um, around here, especially. Um, your uh, whites and your reds, that'd be the most dominant around this area. Your sycamore trees uh, you see growing down by the river valley. Certain trees like certain environments. Red oak's actually what they call an upland species. It, it kind of likes it a little bit uh, drier, kind of on the high side of the hill. Sycamores, like I mentioned, uh, that's more of a lowland species. So you see those down in your river valleys. There are those trees with the beautiful white bark as they mature, Uh, you see a lot of those down along the Olentangia River, Uh, that's kind of their natural environment.
0: How about uh, food trees? I noticed that there was a few years ago there was a movement towards planting, I don't know, cherry trees and Mm -hmm. apple trees for people to come along. Uh, Yeah. Worthington Mm -hmm. Estates has some apple trees. they encourage people to pick up the fruit and eat them before the bees do.
1: <laughs> yeah, we uh, we actually, there was a push for that. It's kind of died out a little bit here, but, uh, you know, like I said, five, six years ago, there was a, a strong push to get more edibles uh, out in the uh, in the environment and in public parks and things like that, and and we made a, an effort to, to try to help with that a little bit. We did plant a few apple trees here and there. We had some, uh, what did we do? We had some cub scouts plant a lot of blackberry bushes for us down on the olentangy river bike trail and uh we want to keep up with that a little bit uh we planted some cherry trees some sweet cherry trees down at the olentangy river bike trail also although we did have trouble especially the cherry trees we planted they got beat up pretty good by the white-tailed deer Uh, i was wondering (laughs) They, come up. Yeah, and I don't, I'm not sure if any of them's left. Tell you the truth, that out of the dead. dozen or so we planted, they just got decimated. Not only the deer just eating the leaves, but the the buck rub, which mm-hmm. is a problem in the fall. We cannot plant a tree nowadays in Worthington without putting trunk protection on it, yes. because of the danger of buck rub in the fall. They've become a real thorn in our side. Um, we've even had trees, bald and burlap trees, large trees. Uh, that we dropped off on site for our contractor to plant the very next day and during that first night They've gotten rubbed and destroyed <laughs> by the deer. That's, uh, yeah, My mom's that's,
0: had several of them done that way, mm-hmm. and we always mean to get them
1: wrapped. Or, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a big problem. Worthington may have to address it someday. It's a, it's a new problem, too. It's never, you know, when I started, I mentioned back in 1989, it wasn't an issue at all. But uh, city living is kind of a niche the deer have discovered in the last 10 years, especially the last five um, and they're kind of exploiting it, and their populations kind of exploded in town. They've really lost their fear of, of humans and uh, and the destruction they're causing. I talked to a lot of residents that are, you know, complaining about, you know, they have no hosta left in their yards anymore because <laughs> the deer treated as a salad and. Uh, and then I feel bad for, you know, a lot of residents that uh, spend, you know, money on trying to get a tree established in their yard only to have it destroyed, you know, Are by a deer. Season. Are and they it's... affecting the street tree population too? Yes. We, we keep track of the amount of replacements we have to do with the street trees we've gotten everything buttoned up pretty tight these days with trunk protection but Mm -hmm. that took a couple years to do and we were spending you know thousands of dollars a year doing that
0: new leaves of baby
1: trees uh certain certain species they will but it's basically in the fall and it's the bucks rubbing their antlers Mm -hmm. on those trees which strips the bark off and anywhere from damages to outright kills the tree they are they're they're doing a couple of things they're uh, marking territory and there's a scent gland on the side of their face and they're rubbing some scent on that tree and at the same time they're removing the velvet uh, from their antlers so there's a couple things going on there with that it's very destructive it's cost the city literally you know thousands of dollars a year dealing with uh, the urban deer. It'd be the,
0: nice if they would eat the honeysuckle, but they don't, are they leaving they anything would. but invasive down in the
1: park? Um, they seem to leave the honeysuckle alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: are they damaging the vegetation in the park? Are they allowing trees to establish themselves down there?
1: They spend more time in yards, to tell you the truth. <laughs> I mean, they. <laughs> there are some down along the bike trail and down by the Olentangia River, but the bulk of them is living in the backyards of homes. Um, I do see... Uh, deer browse on a lot of like arborvitae and things like that in people's Mm -hmm. yards. Um, You can kind of see it. It starts about four foot and kind of goes down Mm -hmm. that uh, you can drive by pretty much any yard and see, you know, a lot of times there's not much left of the hostas. They're just the the petioles sticking up, the Mm -hmm. leaves are gone, which is, you know, disappointing for a lot of residents. If you know, if you know how hostas grow, once they flush out with their leaves in the spring, if those leaves get removed they're going to look bad the rest of the year. They don't really regenerate like a lot of other plants do. The uh, annuals and, and the horticulture end of things, the annual uh, plants that the city puts out uh, at some of the city buildings, uh, as well as the village greens and uh, the pots and containers at, at the seating areas, we have to spray a deer repellent on those. has um, it always been like
0: that, or is that new? Just the
1: past couple of years. Yeah. Just the past couple of years, and we have to spray that about every ten day, ten to fourteen days. Kind of is- depends on rain, uh, because the deer are just voracious. Uh, and it's really disappointing too. You only, you're trying to grow those annuals on and have a great display of flowers and things like that. And the deer will come along during the night usually and, you know, do their thing and you'll come in and uh, the plant has been halved, takes, you know, weeks to get that back up and going and your summer is only so long yeah. so it's it's real yeah. frustrating
0: <laughs> so uh deer are pressure on our trees uh has yeah. anything else changed as far as pressure on the city's trees on the residents trees what, what are some other stresses that may be emerging the emerald ash borer the oak blade are there anything else residents want to watch out for or any other, I don't know, major stresses changing the landscape of Worthington?
1: Uh, well, I mentioned, yeah, that oak wilt. Um, I mentioned that a little bit earlier. That's something residents need to come, keep an eye out for, especially if, if you have a red oak uh, in your yard. Oak wilt is a disease. It's been around in the United States uh, th- pretty much forever, but uh, every once in a while it will kind of make an appearance in a community and, and can wreak havoc a little bit, and it is in the— been, in uh in war that's in here for the past couple of years so keep your eyes open for oak wilt so that's actually changed the, the practices and all the reputable tree companies in, in central ohio know this nowadays uh do not prune your oak tree during the growing season or the summer months while that beetle is active and flying only prune your oak tree nowadays during the winter a lot of people like winter uh, best for uh, you know pruning a tree, anyways, because you can without the leaves you can see the structure of the tree and and uh, it makes things actually a little bit easier. The uh, other thing, uh, the the calorie pear thing, the uh, you probably know the how the calorie pear is now Those outlawed. Gorgeous white trees. Yes. But... Yeah. Exactly. But as those trees started to be planted out into our environment in the 1990s and early 2000s, they discovered a problem. By themselves, those different uh, cultivars of uh, calorie pear are sterile, but as you get them planted in close proximity, they cross-pollinate. Then they start setting fruit, a small little pear, It's, uh, it's only about as big as a marble, but that fruit, loved by birds, started being spread everywhere and you had new volunteer calorie repair trees coming up literally everywhere. It became such a problem in new invasive weed. Um, actually if you um, just drive 270 from Worthington to say Westerville um, and look on the size of 270 mm-hmm. when calorie pears are in bloom and you will see them everywhere. All volunteer trees planted by the birds. It huh. became such a huge new invasive tree problem. That the Ohio Department of Agriculture outlawed the sale of any of those cultivar uh, calorie or any calorie pear um, in Ohio that took effect uh, first of this year. Huh, so. so those
0: things are they're a problem because they're crowding out, choking out other trees.
1: Yes. Yeah, so those trees literally are planted every you know everywhere by the birds. Uh, so now we have the invasive honeysuckle, which came from Asia, and these calorie pears. They grow up under in the forest. The honeysuckle is a little more shade tolerant, so you see a little more of that in the forest, but any unmowed area that, you know, used to be kind of wildflowers and things like that, mm-hmm. that is now growing up with this woody, invasive plants. Um the uh
0: and, of they,
1: course, the deer don't eat them, really. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. We need to train those deer, I tell you. But, uh, yeah, so between uh, the, the honeysuckle and the calorie pear, they're, they're real problems. Uh, with the honeysuckle, the one that can tolerate the little more shady environments, it can get established in actually a forest, and it can choke out all your native vegetation on the ground floor of the forest, so you don't have your native uh, flora and fauna that used to be there, you know, the trilliums mm-hmm. and... Uh, wild geraniums and and you know your woodland wildflowers they disappear
0: and they, they choke out bushes that are that
1: provo- provide yes. nutritious Yes. Yes, uh, exactly. And- exactly. There are a lot of uh, your native plants um, spice bush and things like that that uh, maybe should be there. That just cannot uh, outcompete some of these invasives. Things like this uh, invasive honeysuckle are the first things to leaf out in the spring and the last things to lose their leaves in the fall. Very prolific cedars, and they just kind of outcompete some and of the native stuff. They have berries, style. but they're not good for the animals. Or? No, they really don't have a good uh, nutrient value uh, for our native animal. Our native uh, animals kind of evolved with some of those other species of plants, mm-hmm. so. What they kind of need and are used to getting is from the native stuff, some of the uh, invasive things. really doesn't uh, provide the nutrients and, and things like that to really support some of the wildlife. That similar problem with that emerald ash borer with our native ash trees did not evolve with that insect. Uh, as you know, that insect uh, is a small little uh Beetle, it's uh, from from Asia, from China, came over in some woods, uh, some pallets, shipping pallets that were infected with it, uh, started up in Michigan, spread out from there. That uh, insect is the end of the ash tree in North America, and it's simply because that insect is just just another common pest over there in Asia where those trees have evolved with it. But here in North America, our species of ash tree have not evolved with that insect. So um, I kind of liken it to um, how Europeans came to North America mm-hmm. back in the day, and they brought with them diseases from the old world, from Europe, and the Native American pro- uh, population uh, had not been exposed to or had not evolved uh, with uh, any of those diseases. So you know, it really wreaked havoc. It's kind of a similar situation with uh, emerald ash borer coming to... Uh, coming to north america
0: are you guys using some of this new research on horticulture to help worthington's canopy
1: well we do at times uh like i mentioned earlier dealing with you know trees and urban situations the the soil is usually bad (laughs) and uh, it's usually you know they're you know in a natural environment you might have a foot plus of great topsoil there you're lucky to have maybe you know two three inches in in your yard
0: and then the trees you know they would drop their own yard or leaves and make their own compost in the forest right so
1: they would they would and a lot of that's removed in the urban environment and that's people you know maintain their yards and things like that so it is a much higher or much uh, more um, hazardous you know and, and tougher environment for trees Um, just all the way around, not only from air pollution, but you know, below ground with the soil not being, Mm -hmm. you know, really what they would like. We do, um, we have used uh, a lot of the uh, different soil uh, enhancements and some of the starter fertilizers that have been enhanced with mycorrhizae um, at time of planting. Tell you the the big secret though at at planting is uh, that first year is that tree being able to get enough water. Mm -hmm. That's where most people stumble. Um, They go to plant a tree. Newly planted trees, optimally, would love an inch of rain a week. Um, And we may get that in the spring, but summer usually starts to dry out uh, in central Ohio here, and especially as you get into uh, August and September. Um, So keep an eye on things that first year with water. You know, that tree, especially if it's a a dug, bald, and burlap tree that's been dug out of the field, that tree has lost maybe up to 80% of that root system, and that root system is what's required to absorb water to supplement what those leaves transpire and lose, uh, you know, during the summer, especially on hot summer days. And if that root system has been compromised like that and just, you know, not available to do the work, uh, that tree is real susceptible. Uh, to drought so especially what's that, that first mean? year
0: what, what's that look like for a homeowner a bucket of water a week what's that look
1: like yeah um yes uh, d- a couple gallons a week um i tell people you know keep an eye on things people ask you know should i water shouldn't i water i tell them well stick two fingers down in the ground and mm-hmm. see what's going on down there you know is it still damp is it dry slow watering is better than just kind of giving it a splash and running on running Letting, letting it run off. Uh, slow watering is, you know, that's that water percolate down deep. Um, that's the idea behind those green bags you see on oh. a lot of the tree trunks. Um, gator bags are, are, was the uh, original... Um, uh, manufacturer name of those uh this tree, tree watering bag but there's a couple other manufacturers that have their own names now but the industry kind of knows them as gator bags but basically that's a bag that zips up around the tree it holds about uh 16 to 18 gallons i believe and there are little pinholes in the bottom of that bag that once you fill it uh with a hose once you fill it it lets that water uh leach out over a six to eight hour period mm-hmm. And so it just gives a good, you know, deep watering, you get, you know, zero runoff. Best rule of thumb, um, keeping an eye on things that first year, um, most trees die their first year just for simply a lack of water. Just kind of get down there and take a look at what's going on with two fingers in the ground and, and uh, that'll tell you real quick whether you need the water or not.
0: Well, we've been talking a lot about trees in the parks and trees, you know, tips for residents and their trees. You guys do a lot to help commercial developers too. You guys serve a lot of different
1: constituencies. Yes, Worthington doesn't have a whole lot of new development kind of every now and then, but we also have a lot of redevelopment as mm-hmm. things kind of turn over and, and change. Our, we have a great planning and development uh, team with Worthington and uh, I'm involved with that as far as taking a look at uh, some of the plans that prescribed for some of the uh, new buildings, uh, especially the commercial buildings that are going up around Worthington. I have a chance to lay eye on, th- uh, on things that the city does. Uh, to take a look at, you know, what's going on, uh, landscape architects are, are not infallible <laughs> as far you know, they make mistakes and sometimes they have a tendency to make a lot of their drawings from their desk and their office environment and maybe don't go out to the site as much as they should and don't spot those overhead wires that might be there and, you know, dictate a different type of tree and, and things like that and, and what's going on. Uh, So the city um, has a chance to weigh in and help massage those there's plans and, uh, you know, we know, you know, have a great idea of what works well, you know, mm-hmm. in our community tree-wise and some, you know, maybe there's a certain look um, that we'd like to steer things towards. Um, also, the Arbor Advisor Committee has a chance a lot of times to look at some of these uh, commercial plans to weigh in, you know, and just getting more eyes on a plan like that and, you know, pr- bringing more experience to bear at the table uh, can really pay dividends on, uh, you know, making, making great uh, selections uh, from the get-go to make a successful planting.
0: We have policies around tree removal, tree planting for both commercial and residents, do we?
1: Uh, we really don't. For residents, you know, that's private property. Mm-hmm. And so and so residents, you know, um, they can do, you know, they're kind of... As far as their their decisions, they're you know they can lean on us for advice mm-hmm. because that is there and that is available in Worthington. The uh, there are a few policies, especially like when it comes to like parking lot situations. Mm-hmm. There's a certain amount of trees, uh, caliper inches of trees that are required per amount of parking spaces that you're dealing with Mm -hmm. to try to uh, shade uh, parking islands, things like that. Uh, We also try to uh, steer some of those developers again back to the the soil issue to uh, make sure they take the time to put a decent amount of topsoil back into some of those tree islands in those parking lot situations. So we try to make sure you know they take the time to uh, create a you know, the proper environment for success of that tree in the, in the long term.
0: Do we have other requirements about removing or not
1: removing? There, there is as far as removing. If a developer went into uh, an area, and this is a, some of the specifics on this is what planning development deals with. I'm usually involved in the overall assessment, but uh, there are uh, specific rules. If you have to remove a certain number of trees there's a certain number of trees you have to put back in on your site mm-hmm. and we we help with that as far as uh, you know what uh, what you can do with that and even species and things like that
0: okay what is as far as you know the oldest tree in the,
1: city? the oldest tree would probably have to be uh, there's a big swamp white oak over on proprietors road I don't know if you're familiar with it or not um it's been there it's over 200 years old um it's got a historical marker underneath it that tree they're used when i first started with the city back uh 30 odd years ago uh worthington foods had a building over there on that site and they actually built their building it was a two-story building and actually wrapped around that giant oak tree over there that building was no longer there and that uh, site was open for a number of years and the city had some stipulations for any developer that wanted to develop that site that they had to preserve that tree mm-hmm. the developer that did work with the city and develop that site did a great job with uh, working with the city providing protection around that tree mm-hmm. you know during construction and things like that uh, that are that are very important to keep utilities or whatever they might be tempted to put you know mm-hmm. under the drip line of the tree mm-hmm. or store materials and things like that and the soil to, to keep all that at bay. Yeah, you got to
0: de- think in three dimensions, I guess, when y- you're planting around trees.
1: Yes, it? yes. The uh, Worthington schools are dealing with that right now, uh-huh. out front up there on 161. You probably noticed some of the tree protection they have. Is that
0: what all those fences are?
1: Yes, exactly. And uh, to keep the contractor out of those areas uh, so they don't compact the soil and, and damage the roots.
0: You guys do tree inventories from time to time, is that right? Yeah.
1: Yes, uh, all the street trees in Worthington are inventoried, mm-hmm. and we update, we, well, we're constantly updating that, actually. Um, tree, the street trees in Worthington technically are city property, and they are pruned on a four-year cycle. They are replaced, um, you know, kind of on an as-needed basis. Uh, a lot of times the homeowners can weigh in on species selection if it's a street tree out front of their house that succumbs for any reason the city will replace it for free and a lot of times they you know if we evaluate the site and determine that, yeah, we do want a, a tree there. The uh, Homeowners can weigh in on species selection. There's also, uh, Worthington has a uh, street tree program, and I mentioned about it earlier briefly, it's a, that cost-share program that's open for any resident uh, to take advantage of. Uh, the current cost is $90, which is very reasonable, to get a tree planted out front of their house uh, or business, and the, uh, the resident can weigh in on the species selection. Um, I spent a lot of time working with the residents, uh, trying to work out, you know, a great plan. as far as spacing and and species, as far as what will work best out front of their house. Because a lot of times, you know, you're dealing with, you know, possible overhead wires or fire hydrants or, you know, where there are downspout exits at the curb there and, and, you know, all the urban infrastructure brings. The Street Tree Program has been a great, great uh, program to help, Pump trees into the urban environment. The uh, residents also value um, what the trees can bring to their property values and things like that.
0: And you guys actually, you provide the tree and you come and plant it
1: for us. Yes, we will plant the tree and, uh, like I said, print it on a four-year cycle. Um, we will provide trunk protection for the deer and mm-hmm. things like that. Uh, the one thing we just kind of ask is a little bit of help watering that first year mm-hmm. to help things get things established. And uh, it's been a great program and. Uh, we we uh... we plant uh... close to a hundred trees a year through that street tree program. The Worthington Arbor Advisory Committee is involved with it and and helping choose the species that are available in that Mm -hmm. program for the residents. They kind of got it divided up into small trees, medium trees, large trees, kind of depending on your site whether or not you're dealing with overhead wires or how wide that tree lawn is uh, out front of your house between the curb and the sidewalk. The trees need to be planted within the right-of-way of of the street Mm -hmm. and you know not on private property. Sometimes you have a sidewalk in certain streets and in that case uh, you know you might be able to put an even you know larger species oak or something like that out there but uh, it's been a great program that the city has uh, operated for uh, over 20 years and uh, it's going strong.
0: A week or so later I went to Linworth Park just west of the river to catch up with Doherty and Aaron Lees, a seasonal parks employee as they planted a new tree. Good morning. Hey, you're Elise, aren't you? Yep. How are you? Good, how are you doing? Good.
1: Oh, it's good to see you. You got stuck with me today. <laughs>
0: Aaron and Sean were planting one of around a dozen dedication trees planted around the city's parks every year. Residents can order these trees through the city along with a plaque mounted on a small stone that sites at the base of the tree. Most of these trees memorialize loved ones. Sean will work with residents to help them choose a site and a tree species the city's team will then plant the tree or if you have a group of people who'd like to be at that planting the city can dig the hole to the right depth and leave the tree and mulch and dedication stone there so that family members who want to come can come in and finish the planting together then the city will take care of the tree for 10 years and by that time that tree should usually be good to go for its entire lifespan gotcha and uh what kind of tree are we planting today
1: this is a swamp white oak, uh, Quercus bicolor, and uh, great tree. Um, if you're looking for something in your yard, and if you have the room, uh, of course it's a you know it's a big big oak tree, a uh, big shade tree. But uh, so
0: it's going to be real real tall, real real thick.
1: Yes, these trees get about uh, maybe 70, 80 foot tall, uh, pretty easy. Um, oak trees are one of the longest lived trees in this part of the country. Uh, which makes great dedication trees. Between
0: street and dedication trees and other trees planted or replaced around the city, Dougherty says Worthington's planted about 70 trees as of late spring 2023. The city gets its trees mostly from area wholesalers, but occasionally from farther afield. As the digging went on, we got an earful as a large train went by the park.
1: Uh, just one of the parks, uh, speaking of trains and things, uh, back in the day when trolleys used to uh, uh, cruise up and down High Street and uh, meet the needs of Worthington, there was a spur line that uh, connected the uh, High Street line to the line over there that parallels Proprietors Road, and that line went right through present-day Wilson Hill Park Uh, That line was, uh, there were some cottonwood trees planted on either side of that uh, rail line and those cottonwood trees are still there today. You can go into that park and look in the center of that park and you can see them. And uh, they formed two lines and they uh, paralleled uh, the tracks and uh, to this day you can go there and kind of envision what that that old rail line uh, used to look like
0: still got the train going by but we got to hear this so uh what are the chances you find something archaeologically interesting digging when you're out here planting these trees
1: well you kind of never know kind of what you're going to get into uh digging a hole for the tree and some soil conditions are better than others and of course that makes the job a little easier at times but we always kinda of keep our eyes open. Uh, we found uh, an arrowhead or two before, just kinda of digging.
0: That's fantastic. And, uh,
1: yeah, uh, horseshoes, we've come a couple of horseshoes. Uh, oh, yeah, so yeah well, that one day, possibly, maybe David. That we found a horseshoe.
0: So that had to be way over hundred years
1: old, right? Yeah, it's uh, it's always yeah, and it's always interesting to find a little glimpse of the past like that. It's yeah, kind of cool. yeah.
0: This particular tree was a replacement of a dedication tree which hadn't fared well after its first planting, which, again, the city will do if a tree isn't doing well after its first couple years. Sean and Aaron took just a couple of minutes to expand the hole, and then Sean shared some planting tips, so hopefully any trees you might find yourself planting have the best shot at taking hold and surviving.
1: It takes a while. It is better for the tree if you remove at least the upper portion of that, especially the burlap on top. Um, A lot of times that also hides where the actual root flare of the tree is. So you can tell, you know, you want to plant your tree at the same depth it's been growing at and uh, that that, uh, burlap and twine at the top helps hide that. Um, Also the burlap, if you leave it on, if it becomes exposed uh, to the air, um, it can act act as a wick and actually wick moisture out of the ground which is the last thing you need on a newly planted tree because uh, newly planted trees I think I mentioned need about uh, optimally uh, would love about an inch of rain a week that first year. Uh, Their root system has been compromised during the digging process and the head of leaves that it has normally has transpire during the summer and lose moisture and it may not have that root system to be able to resupply what it's losing in the hot summer days. And uh, you can get into drought stress real easy. So, uh, so yeah, so you want to about an inch of rain a week. We don't get that in Ohio, especially in the, in the summer months. Um, so that's why it's real critical to keep an eye on uh, newly planted trees that first year, and some people even say two years. So um, how many gallons is a,
0: an inch of rain for, what is this, a 12 to 15 foot tree or something like that?
1: Yeah, you'd, it'd be nice to put at least maybe 15 gallons on it. Of course, the slower you water it, the better. You'll get less runoff and things. Um, that's where some of those uh, tree bags uh, shine. Those tree, those green tree bags you see on the base of trees, Uh, uh, Tree Gators is one of the brand names, and that's kind of the industry name for those bags. Um, They hold about uh, 15 to 18 gallons of water, and there are little pinholes in the bottom of it that let that water leach out over a six to eight hour period, and it gives a nice deep watering.
0: So that was my visit with Sean Dougherty, Worthington's appointed guardian of the trees. I hope you enjoyed learning about one of Worthington's quieter quality of life bonuses. Whenever I look around at the huge tracts of housing springing up all over central Ohio, the first thing I notice is the lack of mature trees. And no matter how many leaves we have to rake every fall or how many silver maple gig seeds get tracked in all summer, I am thankful all over again. So check out the city of Worthington's website for more information. You can order a street tree through the website under the services drop down menu. Thanks as always to the City of Worthington and the Community Relations Commission for their generous seed grant to get this podcast started. And to Eric Nesda for his extremely generous permission to use his tune North of 50 as the soundtrack to this podcast. You should check out his work at Gnezda, that's G N E Z D A, Gnezda.com. You can find more of this podcast, including a longer version in which Sean Doherty shares some more information about good tree varieties for Central Ohio at WorthingtonStories.com and on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and soon other outlets that you might choose to download your podcast from. Subscribe. Let me know what you think at our website. Catch you again soon on Worthington Stories.